Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Jesus' name we pray. We all said together. We all said together. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord, Noah, the law of specificity. If I can draw you to that, your attention to that passage that we just finished reading, that, that awesome scripture that well, the Spirit of God prompts Paul to write to say, and we know that in all things, and we know that all things work together, and we know that in all things, God works together, and we know that in all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And we know, and we know. I mean, what do you really know? The older I get, the more I know, the more I realize what I don't know, <laughs> what I think I know, I don't really know. And I know what I know till I know more. And if I knew then what I know now, I'd be in a whole nother place than where I am today. And so when the Bible says, and we know, and especially in this time, in this world, in this day in which we're determined to know things and not just believe things, but to know them. In a time where faith is under fire, what do we really know? Paul says, and we know. We know this is a knowledge that we have. And maybe that seems assumptive or presumptuous for the Bible to say, and we know, although I could make an argument that if you've been around church or around the things of God or familiar with the Bible at all, this phrase is not foreign to you. The phrase, all things work together. That's not something that's a new idea or a new concept. I mean, most of us who have been around church have heard all things work together, even if we didn't know where it was found, even if we didn't exactly know what the context was. We knew all things work together. And what's more is if you've been on the planet for longer than 10 minutes, you need this scripture. This scripture helps you sleep at night, my God. This scripture makes you be okay. This scripture makes you say, well, that has happened and that has happened, but all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose because life is chaotic and life is messy. Life is full of stuff that you cannot explain. And since God in his infinite wisdom understands that and the apostles and the writers of the scriptures understand that for us to walk this thing out, 
for us to actually have a life that is abundant, there's got to be something in the scripture that's just a, a trump card. My God, help me. Just, some, uh, just a card, just a phrase that makes everything somehow come together. They may have done this to me, but all things work together. I may have this difficulty going on, but all things work together. I may not have chose this, but all things work together. This is what they said about me, but all things work together. They're laying me off, but all things work together. It's COVID, but all things work together. It's post-COVID, but all things work together. I may not have this. I may not have that. I may not be exactly where I want to be, but all things work together for my good that passage of scripture is a well-known passage. And Paul says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I would contend that the answer to the human condition and some of the answer to this thing called life is this concept that all things can work together, that even the stuff that I can't figure out that doesn't make sense can work together for my good. There's a passage that says, all things work together. There's another translation, the NIV, that says, in all things, God works together for my good. So whether it's all things are working for my good or in all things, God is working, whether it's working or he's working, the scripture says all things are working. And for somebody that had something that happened this past week or this past year or this past six months or this past two years or this past five years, that just know it's working for your good. He's working for your good. I think we love that passage. I think we want to apply that passage without necessarily being serious about the caveat that goes together with that passage because it doesn't just say all things work together for your good. It says all things work together for the good of them who, number one, love God. So before we just apply Romans chapter 8, 28 to everything and say, hey, all things work together. Before we do that, let's, let's acknowledge that the scripture says all things work together for the good of them who, number one, love the Lord, love God. To those who are trying to actually have intimacy with God and not just religious rules and practice. Not just people who are just caught in just the ditches on either side. Well, this is right. Well, this is wrong. Well, this is good. Well, this is bad. No. For those of us who still believe it's possible to know God, it's possible to walk in a relationship with God, it's possible to walk in fellowship with God, it's possible to have a relationship with God, it's possible to know him for yourself. Amen. Paul said that I might know him. So that we don't so know church that we don't know God. That we aren't so convinced with what church is or what religion is that we don't know the Father. That we're not so caught up in the mother which is church that we miss a relationship with the Father. That we still believe that intimacy with God is something that actually can happen. 
that we still believe that it's not about just coming to church just for rules or we didn't come here and have this worship service just to have a good service or just to have good church. We came to do it because we're trying to get closer to him and we're trying to know him. And the service started with us saying, Lord, draw us nearer. The, the whole point of the first song was, draw me nearer. Back in the day, those of us who grew up in church, that was a hymn we used to sing. Draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer to your precious bleeding side. Lord, draw me nearer. Lord, help me to be closer to you and not just closer to religion. Not just closer to church or church folk so I don't allow any church experience I've had, positive or negative, block me from the possibility of still having a relationship with God. Just because somebody was janky don't mean God is janky. Just because somebody was a hypocrite does not mean God is a hypocrite. The truth of the matter is that men are flawed. Just like you, there is no perfect preacher, there is no perfect elder, there is no perfect deacon, there is no perfect Sunday school, there is no perfect church. So you have to keep, all of us have to keep the imperfections of people from blocking us from a relationship with a God that loves us and that we're determined to love. My first point this morning is the passage says, yeah, all things are going to work together for those who have made up in their mind that they're going to know me for themselves. Those who have made up in their mind that they're not going to let a situation or a circumstance or a culture or a generational perspective stop them from knowing me. They're not going to allow for the interpretation of God by a ruling class to keep them from understanding who God really is. People who are prepared to press through the stuff that is a misrepresentation of God and really know him for yourself. And I would contend that if you ever press through and are determined to know God for yourself, he'll reveal himself to you and he'll let you know him for yourself. He said you'll find me if you ever really seek me. But I think most of us don't seek him because we don't really want to find him because we know that when we find him, then we'll have to answer the second part of it, which is being the call. Because the passage says, all things work together for those who love God and who are the called can actually answer a call. Now, I can look around the room and I can tell that I'm not the only one that can remember a time when you used to be able to ignore a call. Call somebody, get a busy signal. You can take your phone off the hook. At this point right now, if I call you and you don't answer, I know you are avoiding my call. You are blocked me. You do not want to hear from me. You can't say, did you call me? Get out of here. You know I called you. You know that I did. You can't avoid it. I'm at a place right now with my phone where I almost get a small little attitude if people even call me. I don't know if you're like this with your cell phone, but my whole attitude is text me first. 
If my phone just rings, I'm like, who is this thinking they could call me? But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is the, Paul is saying that all things work together for those who love God and who are the called, who actually can answer a call, who actually can stop lying and stop fronting and stop faking and stop acting like they're too busy to get God's call. I will contend. I know I've been in church my whole life. I know, I know what you feel like. Me too. I was afraid to talk to God because I was afraid that if I ever really talked to him and ever really listened to him, he was going to call me. And I wasn't really interested in his call. I just wish I had just one honest somebody that could be like, I don't know what the Lord will tell me to do. I don't know. If I start listening to God, I don't know what God will say. I have no idea what he may call me to do. And I spend a lot of time avoiding his call and sending him the voicemail and seeing it was him and not answering and screening his calls because I really didn't want to hear what he had to say. Because he's God, and he has a perspective, and he has an idea, and he has a concept that I wasn't all that interested in. Because I knew that if I wanted to have the all things work together <laughs> for the good of them who love God, who answered this call, I knew the third part was coming which was according to his purpose. The thing that's so interesting to me about Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I don't really know where you all are with this sermon, and I don't know if I really, I've been preaching for 45 years, so I don't know if I really care, but I don't know exactly where you are with this sermon, but I will just say this. This is a sermon for me. If nobody else, I'm preaching to myself right now because I need to all things work together for the good of the move of God and the call to corner to it. Y'all don't have to say nothing to me. You ain't got to wave at me on online or nothing. I need a God who can make a mess work out from my God. I need a God that can take the chaos that is the craziness of this thing called life. I am not where I thought I would be and I'm not where I want to be, but I know this is not the end of my story and I'm constantly saying this is a comma. This is not the period and you keep on walking. You keep on reading my story. Somebody said, Pastor Andy, you should write your autobiography. I said, I can't write it yet because I still got way too many chapters that still have got to be written. There's no way I'm writing it now. I'm only 53. And I look good. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is the, this passage, this Romans 8, 28 passage, is fascinating to me because it covers both the faith that is chaos and the faith that is specificity. Because according to his purpose, that all things work together deals with the chaos of people and their decisions and life and free will and choice and racism and this and culturalism and gender and sexism and, and all the biases. It, it covers the stuff that's out of your control. It covers 
the free will of choices that people make. All things work together for the good of them who love God and are willing to acknowledge that God has a purpose that can be specific. That to have faith does mean to trust him. Tis so sweet to trust him. We talked about that last Sunday, that faith can be trust, but that also faith can be something specified. That faith can be a specified plan <laughs> that as much as God gives us a promise that covers chaos, he also is big enough, broad enough, alpha and omega enough to also say to us, but don't get it twisted. I do have a specified plan that if you walk according to it, stuff will work out, even the stuff that you can't predict. One of the ways to deal with the unpredictability and chaos that is life is to trust God to work it out but also to have a goal and a purpose and a specified vision that you are going to, that it doesn't matter what comes your way, that purpose, that direction, that specificity drives you. So why Noah got specific instructions. Now, I know I've been preaching on Sunday school, and I've been trying to deal with the different characters in the Bible, and I never really have preached on Noah before, and this is my third week preaching on Noah, and I, I just think it's interesting, the part that I read is that God said to Noah, let me tell you specifically how to build this ark. And they put it in the Bible. Now, whether you believe this story or not, this still gives us a glimpse. I know some folks have a problem with whether or not this story is even real. Okay, fine. My point is, is this gives you a glimpse into the character of God, the interactions of God with people, how God deals with humans. It gives us a picture. I, the reason why I'm preaching the story is not just because I believe it's real, but because I believe that it gives us a glimpse into who God really is. And I think that if you listen to God closely enough, God will tell you something that's specific. God said, I want you to build it this way, build it this many cubits long, this many cubits wide, this many cubits high. A cubit is the, the distance between your hand to your forearm, which, depending on the size of you, but, but the, that's the cubit. It's like, and he, he gave him something specific because there's a benefit to specificity. And I feel like specificity needs to be argued for just a little bit in a world of vagary. And I get it. I totally understand it. I understand that we are consistently victims of overcorrection. 
think I might have said this last Sunday or the Sunday before, said something about overcorrection. The truth is that most accidents don't happen from the ditch. Most accidents happen from an overcorrection from the ditch. Someone loses focus and stops paying attention and is about to go in the ditch. And instead of going in the ditch, they overcorrect and they end up having an accident with another car overcorrecting from the ditch. You take a step back and take a look at the world and take a look at Christianity, take a look at America, take a look at politics. We had a black president. Eight years of a black man in the White House. What happened next? Who was the next guy? We, we lived in a world, most of us, we, we were raised in a world where didn't nobody care about how you felt. You asked your mother why, she said yours is not the reason why, yours is but to do or die. Your mama threatened to kill you half the time. She wasn't here to have no discussion with you. She didn't care what you liked to eat. She cooked and you ate it. And she might make something you don't like. And she'll make you eat it. Now, y'all lay a menu out to your child. Well, let's see. We have a choice of prime rib today. And now everybody is raised in some kind of world in which they have all the choices. I got it. There was a time when principles were way more important than people. We were just going by the principle. Got it. In which principles was what ruled. Now, the overcorrection is that we are so aware of the possible negativity of principles that we want to just go to honoring your feeling inside you. So now we are going to go from something being specific to everything being up for debate. I get it. I understand it. I see it. I've been on the planet for 50 years. I get it. I see it. I'm not a child. I understand why. I understand that there's a great deal of harm that is done in the name of specificity. And as a result of that, we want to now go totally vague. But might I just make an argument for specificity? Just a little bit. Might I be able to say that the real goal is balance? Can I make everybody clap for that? That balance is the way to be. It's easy to be in one ditch or the other. That's easy. What's harder is to find the balance. You working out, you want to make it harder, lift a leg. Everything you want to do on two, lift a leg. And there's a, it's a whole nother kind of thing when you're trying to balance on one leg. That's a, you find out something else altogether different about yourself when you lift a leg and decide to see how far you can go down. And I'm not going to do it because I don't want to fall and be on YouTube. But, I mean, I'm already on. But I, what I'm saying is, you, you want to make it difficult, find the balance. In the Christian world, we have a tendency to want everything to be either all right 
or everything to be either all wrong. And the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in an overcorrection. I'm off my point. Let me make my point. I want to make an argument for specificity. I just want to argue a little bit for it. I'm not saying that it should be the only thing considered, but I do want to say that there is a law of specificity and there is a benefit of specificity and without specificity, without something specific, there will be no life. If we can't say what somebody is or what a situation is or who something is or what the nation is or is not, we are in trouble if we can't define something specifically so let, let me give you just a, a little bit of the benefit of specificity and i'll let you go because i'm preaching to you and me number one the first benefit to specificity i'll put it on the screen for you let me teach you something really quickly the first benefit to specificity is it's a pattern for success in other words specificity wins I was watching the Hall of Fame game this past because I can't wait for football to come back. I mean, I just can't. This little season during the year is horrible. Basketball's over. Don't nobody care about baseball. Okay. And you're just waiting for football to come. The preseason games. The starters didn't even play. I don't care. I want to see somebody get hit. And so I was watching the Hall of Fame game and they're having conversations with the guys that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. If you watch that and listen to them, then they, you, you heard Every single one of those guys said, when I came into the league, I believed in myself, but I got around these veterans. I got around these guys who gave me the pattern of what to do to how to be successful. I decided to be coachable. You can be as talented as you want to be, but unless you are coachable and somebody can tell you, well, this is how you be better. And then you want to be around somebody. And, of course, you know, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars, if y'all don't watch football. And it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you know anything about Jacksonville Jaguars, it's been rough going for Jacksonville for quite a while. And you're from Jacksonville. If you're watching from Jacksonville, I pray your strength in the Lord for your football team. But they've brought in a new head coach. And the whole idea is he had a winning thing. He's got a winning product. He's got a winning program. He's got a plan. He has a specified way for success to happen. He's got an idea in which he's saying, this is a winning formula, and a winning formula has specificity in it. I'm contending that it's great to be vague unless vagary makes you a loser. I'm amazed at how People want to argue for vagary who are broke and want to be defensive about stuff being vague like it should be and don't own nothing. So my point is, is that specificity helps you know how to win. And every now and then, in specificity, you surrender to the purpose of God, the plan of God, 
the plan of someone higher, the plan of a mentor, the plan of a coach, the plan of a leader, the plan of someone to say, well, would you like to know how to be a good mother? I can tell you. Without you saying, well, you're going to be the mama your way and I'm going to be a mama my way. Oh, really? You be a mama your way and your babies can act like that. And I'll be a mama this way. Can somebody tell Is it okay for somebody to tell you? Or is it all so vague that you can't win? So, I, specificity is a winning formula sometimes to win you have to know what the specificity is number two specificity brings protection it's the permit process i just came from my visiting my mother and my parents own this home in the mountains of west middlesex pennsylvania and i went in that house and the house was built by people who didn't build it according to specific rules. I don't know if you've ever been in a house like that. I don't know if you've ever been in something where stuff ain't level and stuff ain't right. And you can throw something up quick, but if the corners aren't right, if the angles aren't right, if the distance isn't right, if the plumbing is not done right, something can look cute for about a year, but inevitably it will rot if it's not built right. The reason why you are made to go through a permit process and have someone come in and do an inspection is for you to know that there's safety. There's protection in specificity. One of the things amazing to me about today, our world, our time, right now, we're taking big risks. These are big risks. I don't know about you, but I kind of don't like to be the guinea pig for stuff. I don't want to be the first one drinking oat milk. There's oat milk in my house. I don't drink it because oat milk is too new to me to just be guzzling it down. First of all, oats don't have no boobs, okay. So I don't really see how milk can come from an oat. <laughs> to me, milk, uh, anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is, I kinda am worried about how experimental we are right now about stuff that matters for real. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Stuff is just experimental. Some of this surgery is just experimental. Some of these pills is just experimental. Some of this, we are, we're taking big risks without really knowing what's going to happen 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. Some of us in this room are old enough to be alive during lead paint. 
I'll just leave that one alone. They had to remove all the lead paint out your house. Why? Because it tasted sweet and it was doing something to people's brains. And over time, they realized that asbestos was bad. Over time, they realized they did the research and they figured it out. Actually, we thought this was good, but truthfully, it's not right. I was on a flight to Denver, and when we got to Denver, there was this big storm, and we couldn't land. It was too dangerous. So we're circling, then we ran out of fuel. So they, they directed us off to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Never been to Wyoming before, but I've been there now. When we got to Wyoming, they proceeded to tell us that the Wyoming airport that we landed in wasn't big enough for the jet plane that we were actually in. So they had no way to get us off the plane. But also, the runway wasn't big enough for us to take off with the amount of weight that we had on the plane. So they had to get all the bags off the plane, and they had to get half the people to get off the plane. And I was sitting there praying for people to get off because they needed at least 24 people to get off. And sure enough, 24, 25, 26, 27 people got off. And I'm just glad that they knew. I'm glad that there's a testing. I'm glad. I never am mad when somebody asks me for ID. Here it is. Don't give my money to nobody else but me. I'm glad when there's a check and balance. I'm glad when there's a specific. I'm glad when you have to take a specific test. I don't want anybody operating on me who has not passed the specific boards. I don't care if you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. There is a certain amount of protection just in the fact that the checks and balances happened. And if we remove all of the checks and balances and are only doing things that make everybody feel good, inevitably we will be outside of the protection that is provided by specificity. Amen. Number three, I'm almost done. Number three, specificity is, it, the, the other benefit of specificity is paternity. Specificity waits. Specificity warns. That was my permit thing because I'm a preacher. Specificity waits, meaning that when I plant something specific, I know that it's specific and I'm waiting for it because I know what I planted. I know the paternity of it. When I know what the seed was, I have confidence to wait even for the thing to turn, because I know where the seed came from. Who called for the study? When I was a kid, there was a thing, that said, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, or you were supposed to drink a glass of milk or three glasses of milk a day. Who called for that study? Very often, what is deemed proper by a study is driven by who asked for the study. What I'm saying is, is when I am looking for specificity, I begin to say, all right, well, what exactly was planted? I'm a hunter. I hunt deer. And this year I have planted a food plot. 
by my house, and they're just in there having family reunions and cookouts and everything, and it's going to be a wonderful hunting year. But what I'm saying to you is what I planted was like a mix of stuff. Clover and this and beans and a little of this and a little of that. And a little of that. I don't know exactly what it is because I'm not eating it. The deer are eating it, and they're eating good. See, I don't mind it being unspecified as long as it works if I don't have to eat it. But if we're planting food for you, you might want to know what you planted because what you plant will determine what you eat. One of the challenges of vagary is it makes us have an expectation to reap lemons, to reap mangoes when we planted lemons. We find ourselves frustrated by the sour on our lips because we just thought seed was seed. thought men were men. We thought women were women. We thought black was black. We thought this was this. We thought that was that. We thought life was life. We thought everything's just everything. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. You're going to reap what you sow. And so if you want something specific, you better start thinking about it specifically. Don't nobody accidentally stumble into success. Don't nobody accidentally stumble into money. And if you do, you won't keep it. That lottery was one point something billion dollars or whatever. I was praying for one of y'all to hit that thing so we could build this building. But what I'm saying is, is the problem is that most people that hit the lottery don't keep the money. Because it's difficult to get Bill Gates' wallet and you don't have his connections. You don't have his financial advisors. You don't have his lawyers. You don't have his accountants. You don't have his plan. The challenge of Adam and Eve is that they were the first people ever to be born, and they were adults. Everybody else had to go through a process of growing up. But see, we want everything now. We want everything yesterday. We want to be grown tomorrow and not go through the process. Oh, my Lord. Thank God for the process that is making you you so that when you get your stuff, you can keep it because Adam and Eve got kicked out that garden and maybe it was because they never grew up into it. They woke up and they were grown. They woke up and they were married. Number four, I'm almost done. Anybody hear anything from the Lord? I know I'm just teaching today, even though I'm sweating. Number four, the fourth thing about specificity is another benefit of specificity is people, partners. Specificity weeds. Specificity weeds out the people in your life that ain't serious. Specificity weeds out the folk that ain't going where you're going. 
Specificity weeds out the people that aren't as talented as you, that aren't as smart as you, that couldn't pass the SAT, that couldn't get into where you are, that can't do what you're doing. And you can keep hanging with them Negroes if you want to, but if you're not careful, they will drag you down. And so specificity makes you have to lop off the losers. Specificity helps you to understand that your drama comes from people that are not going where you're going. Drama comes from people off the path. If you run in a marathon, you either need people who are running with you, or if they're not on your path, they need to be on the side handing you water. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. You don't want nobody trying to trip you. <laughs> you got way too far to run. And the worst thing that could happen is for somebody to be running in the opposite direction as you. Gentlemen, that's your whole sport is one team's going this way, other team's going that way. You're running this way, he's running that way. Your collision with one another, that's the game. Don't play the game and not learn it in life. There's too many of us lined up in life and connected to people who are running in the opposite direction as us. And when we get close to them, they hit us and we knock each other down and we can't get to where we're supposed to get to because we are in love with people that aren't on our side. There's something about us. We love our haters. We love people that are jealous of us. We love people that don't really like us. We love people that don't like, that can't stand us, and we're trying to win them in some way. One of the most difficult things I learned in my psych minor is that we are all trying to assuage childhood lack. So your mama was crazy, and you could never make her happy. So what you do is you go marry a woman who's crazy, just like your mama, and you figure now you're going to make that crazy woman happy, but you couldn't make your mama happy, and you can't make that crazy woman happy. Let me move on. Your daddy was horrible, and so instead of you picking somebody different, you pick somebody just like him. Because you are trying to heal a childhood lack. And you end up in bed with somebody who really isn't for you because you were raised by people that weren't for you. And so now that's what you're used to. And because of that, you are on your own. I have reached a place where if you don't like me, get to stepping. If you're not on my side, thank you very much. If you hate me, hate baby, but hate from over there. You cannot come to my house. You cannot be my friend. I don't want to talk to you. If you jealous of me shut up because I got too far to run for folk to be tripping me and pumping me and trying to hurt me on my mission I'm on my way somewhere my ladder shall be greater than my former what's coming is better what's coming is better
What's coming is better. And if what's coming for me is better and what's coming for you is worse, you won't like me. You'll be upset, Troy. You'll be mad at me because I'm going somewhere that you can't go because you don't have faith to go there. You don't have favor to go there. You don't have God on your side like I do because I think God can do anything but fail. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. When you decide specifically, I'm going to have money. I wish I had a witness in the building. You don't accidentally stumble into money. I'm going to have money. I'm going to own my own home. I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to have this. I decided specifically my children weren't going to go through what I went through. I decided that specifically. That specificity shows you who's your partner and who's not. It shows you people. Finally, number five, and I'm done. The benefit of specificity is praise for perfection. All oh, peace. I'm a preacher. Praise for perfection. Specificity weighs. There's a weight. Specificity weighs. Specificity shows what does it mean to win? What does it not mean to win? Is that the wrap it up music? Is that what that is? This is my church. What I'm saying is, is specificity weighs. Let me hurry up. Get out here, brother. Clearly. Specificity says who won and who didn't. One of the most troubling vagaries, coach, is people don't want to keep score. We're going to give you a medal for participation. My daughter was playing soccer. She was playing soccer in like, what, seventh grade, eighth grade, sixth grade, something like that. And back then, the soccer was still boys and girls playing together on the same team. And I was going to the soccer games, watching them play. They're not keeping score, but I was. <laughs> I could count. I was like, if we're not going to keep score, we shouldn't have taught these kids how to count. Kayla had a kid on her team named Jesus. Spanish kid. He could play him some soccer. Jesus was his name. He was amazing. And I was calling him Jesus. <laughs> and so as he's moving the ball, I'm standing on the sideline saying, go ahead, Jesus. Do that, Jesus. Jesus! Move that ball, Jesus. Look at Jesus. They were in a game, coach, and Jesus is just moving that ball, and he's moving it side to side. People are ducking down, and I'm, look, I'm saying, look at Jesus. Jesus paid it all. Jesus is making a way. Jesus is opening doors. Jesus know what he's doing. I'm on the sideline. Sean has hit me. Shut up. I'm like, no, no, go ahead, Jesus. This is going to be a great story. And so Jesus is moving the ball down, and little Molly is running up the side. And so Jesus is moving the ball, and everything double teams him, and he taps the ball over to Molly. Molly, and all Molly got to do is 
just tapped the ball in the goal. It's wide open. And Molly missed. And they praised Molly, coach. Molly, way to be in the right place. Good job, girl. And I was like, Molly! Jesus paid it all. Jesus made a way. Jesus opened the door for you to score a goal. We ain't won in the last six games. It's eight to two, Molly. She messed up my story. <laughs> because I need Jesus to make a way for me. I need the Lord to get this ball. I need everybody to be diving at him. And I need God to tap the ball over to me. And I need a wide open goal. I'm tired. Life is hard. I'm getting old. I don't have a lot of time left. I don't know who I'm talking to in here this morning. I need Jesus to do something for me. When my goal is open, I need to kick it in. All things work together, but that don't mean that you miss every opportunity. That doesn't mean that when Jesus pulls all the defense to him and he passes you the ball, you don't score. Specificity will tell you, yeah, you missed it. We want to praise you, but we want to praise for the right reason. We can't just praise just because you show up. Oh, my God. We can't just praise just because you're black. We can't praise just because you're a woman. We can't praise just because you're a man. We want to praise for something that looks like you did what you were supposed to do. And what we don't like about specificity is that specificity lets us know when we miss. We don't want nobody judging us. And we don't want nobody telling us nothing. And we don't want to hear nobody. And you said it and you was right, but you didn't have to say it that way. And if I'm going to be coached, I need to be coached in a certain way. And I don't need nobody all in my face. Right. You are on your way to being a loser. Won't nobody ever be able to tell you nothing. At the end of the day, if you want to win, if you want to go somewhere in life, you better eat the meat and spit out the bones. You better get that thing and run on with it. Don't be so sensitive that can't nobody tell you nothing. I grew up playing football on concrete. Street football. Two-hand tag. But we played in the street. On concrete. In the city. If you fell, you scratched your skin. That meant that you had to be careful. They threw you the ball, you leaned on the curb, you caught it, and you tucked, and you fell, and you got up, and you dusted yourself off from the hurt that concrete can bring you because everything ain't grass, and everything ain't soft, and everything ain't easy, and I don't know where we're going to be raising a bunch of soft people who can't hear nothing hard never. Everything's grass, elder, everything. You are never on concrete, ever. 
you have a hard time in this thing called life if we let you think that there's no weighing. Oh, no, no, no. There is specificity. And praise God for the grace and the mercy that goes along with vague. But I need the Lord to tell me something specific. I got my hand up in the air. I need God to tell me this is the way. Walk that way. Go that way. Buy that stock. Get that house. Don't trust him. Don't go there. Don't know that. That one's crazy. He's nuts. She crazy. I need God to tap me on my shoulder. I don't have time to make another mistake. I don't have time to make another mistake on somebody. I need God to talk to me. I need God to tell me something. Who am I talking to? I need the Lord to speak to me. I say, Lord, why did I not hear you tell me? If you hurt my feelings, God, I'll be okay. I'll cry. I'll be all right. I will brush them pebbles off my leg and go back and get in the huddle because I need to know something specific, even if it weighs me and I come up lacking. But none of us are interested in scales. And I'm like, Lord, can we just love scales again? Can we step on there and find out, are we too heavy to get there? Way for us to get there is for God to say, look, I want you to build it this many feet wide this many feet high, this many feet long, and for us, like Noah, to do everything just as the Lord commanded. I'm going to speak that over this room. I'm going to speak that over everybody on the sound of my voice. I'm going to believe that God going to give you a dream. God will speak to you in the night. God will give you a vision, and God will tell you something specifically to do that you'll be like, I don't even know how I knew that. I don't even know how I heard that. I don't even know how I made that decision. It clearly was God who spoke to me, gave me specificity. Put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord here this morning. Can I just pray for you? For you? Can I just pray for you? Can I just pray for you? Just, can, can I just pray? God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would order our steps. All things work together, but order our steps. You're a God of chaos, but you're a God of order. You're not a God of confusion, but you can make the crooked straight. You can make the rough places plain, and the glory can be revealed in that. But God, also, you can talk specifically. We want you to know that we are open to knowing you. We are open to pleasing you. We are open to specificity. And we pray. 
that you would speak to our hearts and give us a plan and give us a purpose and give us a goal and give us a way and tell us how to go and tell us what to avoid and tell us what's next. We want to hear you about serious things. We've gathered together in this room. We've gathered together around the world through this medium and we are asking you to speak to us. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us interpretation. Lead us and guide us into truth. We lift up your name. We magnify your name. We'll praise you for what you do, for what you say. You're worthy in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Can I get you to give to the building fund? Can I just get you to give to the building fund? I know we took up our tithes and offerings earlier, but I need you to give to the building fund. It's called Victory Park. And what we're about to build, Coach, we're on our way out of here. This is our last year in this. We leased this space. We have 140,000 square feet of space. It's our last year in this lease. And we own some land about 26 miles, about two miles from here, 26 acres. And we're about to build this thing called Victory Park. It's going to have a sanctuary in it, if you don't know. It's going to have a sanctuary in it that seats about this, about 2,500 people, 2,000 people. And, but the building is a 100,000 square foot building, and it's going to be basically a sports complex place. It's going to be a sanctuary inside of a sports complex place. So there's going to be basketball courts in there. There's going to be weightlifting in there. There's going to be a children's space. It's going to be something that also benefits the whole community. And I can see tournaments and practices and AAU tournaments and all this stuff happening all in this one building. We're not just building a church just for us, although it is our new home. But we're also building something so that we can impact our community in a significant way. And so we are on our way towards that about to break ground in not many days hence in another month or so we're about to break ground on this building and uh, and so we've asked people to make pledges and so we are giving to the building fund for years world i know many of us grew up in church just there's always a building fund offering but not here world of recovers at world of recovers we never did a building fund offering until we actually had a building fund and so now we're taking up this building fund offering and so if you can give anything you give right now is going to go towards that above and beyond your tithes and uh, you could take a picture of that QR code it'll pop up and you'll be able to give as unto the Lord giving not as a debt you owe but as a seed you sow and uh, Pastor Tony talked about generosity and so you'll be able to be generous to give to the work of the kingdom of God. Generosity is above your tithes and offerings. And beloved, it's going to take all of us together to do this thing. And folks watching around the world, everyone that's watching, we need you to give to the work of the kingdom of God. And we're on our way there. And, uh, and we're excited about it. We actually have a celebration that's happening the last weekend of this month for everyone that's pledged and given. And, uh, and we're going to be letting you know more about that. We'll be sending stuff out to everybody that gave to that and, uh, and talking about what our next, next, next steps are and giving updates on where we are. But we're on our way, beloved. And uh, we're on our way out of these spaces. 
and, uh, and God's got something great for us. And so we're giving as unto the Lord. And so uh, whatever you give in this offering is going to the vision that God has given us. And it's significant. We're, this, this space is no longer working for us between the parking and all of it. We have reached our capacity in this space. And, uh, and so we're on our way. And I'm excited about it. We're on our way to our home and uh, we've been in the wilderness, and now it's, we're on our way to our Canaan, and I'm excited about it. So we're going to give. Let's bow our heads and pray for this offering. Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity that we have to give. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to sow above and beyond our tithes, but to actually give an offering to your house. And we're believing that your best will happen for us. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come and you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And bless gift and giver in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you as you give. Pastor Tony. Amen. Can you all put your hands together for a great message today? Amen. Were you blessed by that message? We ask you to remain seated while the buckets are still passing. But in line of announcements, again, we do have a table out in the lobby specifically for those who want to connect through volunteering. This is a great task that God has called us to do, and we need hands to help us lift this vision. Also, if you're a first-time visitor, we have a table specifically for you. We have a gift for you today. And if you want to take the next step, to join us and be a member of World Overcomers Christian Church, we want you to, uh, to visit the kiosk out in the middle of the room today. Amen. Have you been blessed today? Hey, are you glad that you came to church? Amen. We want to invite you. Thank you all for joining us online. And we want you, if you're in the Raleigh-Durham area, please come and visit us. We promise you it'll be a blessed time. Amen. Are you ready to go? Amen. We got some popcorn out in the library. I know y'all love that. Amen. And we're going to have a great time of fellowship. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we're about to leave. And the football team, if you would, go to my right, the fellowship hall to my right. Uh, Pastor Anthony will be over to my right. Amen. Amen. Tell some, hug somebody and say, I'm glad I was beside you today. Yeah, service wouldn't have been the same without you. Come on, tell them, I'm glad I was beside you today. Woo. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for every song sung. We thank you, Lord, for the word that was sowed into our hearts. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it fell upon good ground today. And, Lord, we're going to leave this place with a specific goal in our mind, to hear from you and hear what you have to say, God. There is no reason for us to make a mistake, Lord, if we walk in the specificity of what you called us to do. Now, Lord, we bless this week. Lord, Lord, everything that we touch, everything that we endeavor to do, God, bless us, keep us, and promote us so when we come in this place again next week, we'll have testimonies of the great things that you have done in the lives of your people. God, we bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen and amen. Fist bumps somebody tell them I love you in Jesus' name. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.